0: You're listening to the Magnum version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're
1: stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony,
2: well, there's nothing you can't on the Savage Lovecast.
1: Well, gee. A lot has happened since I recorded last week's intro a few days in advance. Like Colin just put it on Weekend Update, turns out everyone you've ever heard of is a sex monster. Weinstein, Spacey, CK, Takai, Mark Halperin, Brett Ratner, Ed Westwick, and of course, Alabama's finest Roy Moore. Moore is the disgraced former judge twice removed from the Supreme Court in Alabama for ethical violations and refusing to follow the law. And yet he's somehow still a viable candidate for the United States Senate, despite a history of quote unquote dating teenage girls and allegedly sexually assaulting a 14 year old girl, as the Washington Post reported last week in an exhaustively sourced piece. We should have really seen more coming, if you'll pardon the expression, because anyone who goes on and on and on and on and on about how gays and lesbians and trans women are a threat to children is almost certainly diddling kids themselves. Remember Pastor Ken Atkins, the Baptist minister from Georgia, who said that the victims of the Pulse nightclub massacre in Orlando were, and I quote, getting what they deserved because gay people are sick and sinful and prey on children? He was arrested a few months later for child molestation, and Pastor Atkins is in jail now, where he belongs. But Roy Moore, yeah, he's not going to jail. He's probably going to the U.S. Senate with the help of right-wing evangelical Christians. The same voting bloc values voters as they like to style themselves, who put an admitted sexual predator in the White House. Nearly 40% of white evangelicals said they were more likely to support Roy Moore after the revelations, according to Newsweek. These are the same people who've been screaming and yelling about the non-existent threat of trans women preying on girls in public restrooms. Ugh, I didn't want to bog down on Moore on the top of the show. There's really too much ground to cover here. I mean, got to talk about Louis C.K. I feel like I should talk about Louis C.K. and the cultural moment and what it all means But you know what? Instead of listening to me rant, I think you should go and read what some smart women are saying. Rebecca Tracer's piece at The Cut is a great place to start. It's headlined, Your Reckoning and Mine, as stories about abuse, assault, and complicity come flooding out. How do we think about the culprits in our lives, including sometimes ourselves? It's a terrific piece. Everyone should read it. And if, like me, Twitter has very nearly destroyed your ability to read anything long form, I would suggest you follow, if you aren't following already, Kate Harding, at Kate Harding, author of Asking For It, a book about rape culture on Twitter, and Melissa McEwen, editor of Shakesville, who tweets at Shakes Tweets. Both are tweeting up a storm right now, an informative illuminating storm, and you should be following them. Someone else to follow on Twitter. Don't know her name, but her Twitter handle is at politicmasfina. And she tweeted this over the weekend Men, don't show your dick to anyone who didn't specifically ask to see your dick. I am unsure why this is hard. Do we need to write the dick commandments? You know what? We do. We clearly do. And I thought I would take a stab at the dick commandments myself. So, boys in my audience, Men who are listening to me, dick havers, not all of the men, thou shalt keep thy dick in thy pants. Thou shalt not surprise anyone with thy dick. Thou shalt not whip thy dick out in restaurants, at work, in hotel suites, during business meetings, on airplanes, on public transportation, in front of children, parishioners, clients, employees, basically. Thou shalt not whip out thy dick anywhere dick whipping out is uncalled for. And if you are standing there thinking about whipping out your dick and you're not sure whether now is the time, whether it is called for, now is definitely not the time and it is not called for. If thou hast a fetish for this sort of shit for dick whipping out, thou shalt take a moment to consider the stakes. And it's not just the emotional stakes for the people you're thinking about victimizing that you have to factor in these days, something way too many dick whipper outers in the past were capable of ignoring, but the social and professional stakes for yourself and people who have a fetish for this sort of shit. You shall avail yourself of the places and opportunities where your dick whipping out would be welcome. Various sex clubs and public sex environments, they are out there. Seek them out and whip your dick out there. Thou art free to take as many pics of thy dick as thy pleases. It's a free country, but thou shalt not send those dick pics to anyone who hasn't asked to see them. Thou shalt not, and this is a really important one, put thy dick on, in, or near anyone who hasn't asked to have thy dick on, in, or near them. And thou shalt be conscious of the fact that women live with the near constant threat of sexual violence. So what may seem harmless or flirtatious to you, what may seem like horseplay, can be perceived very differently differently by women and finally one commandment not assault specific but i think legit still and a lot of men need to hear this thou shalt keep thy dick clean seriously if you can smell your own dick when you pull it out in the toilet to take a piss take a fucking shower all right that was my stab at some dick commandments there are lots more go find the thread under politic mas fina's tweet men don't show your dick go look at it there's lots of women out there with their own set of Dick commandments, and I think each and every one should be obeyed. All right, coming up on today's Lovecast, we have Buck Angel here with us to tackle a question that is kind of Dick-specific, and tons of your questions and lots of my answers all on today's show.
3: Hi, Dan. uh, I am a 26-year-old bisexual female calling from Indiana. I just have a question about Uh, vaginal to anal, back-to-vaginal sex. Doing that, obviously, with the condom on and changing the condom in between uh, to prevent bacterial infection, uh, you know, do that. Uh, use lube regularly. I'm just wondering, obviously porn isn't a depiction of real life, but I see people doing this in porn without condoms on, and I'm just wondering how they're doing this, if they're getting infections, because using condoms all the time, I am in a long-term relationship with my partner. I have an IUD, so we don't use condoms for vaginal intercourse. Um, So I'm just wondering how they do that, if it's possible to do it without condoms, without getting infection.
4: Thanks.
1: You can't go from ass to vagina and back and then back again without incurring some risk, some risk for the vagina haver. Bacterial infection, introducing fecal matter into the vaginal canal, very, very bad, potentially, potential serious, annoying health consequences for the woman. So the advice there is don't do it. That said. In porn, people do do things that people in actual real life might not want to do. You see a lot of unprotected sex in porn. You see a lot of stunt sex in porn. You see a lot of what you describe in porn. You see a lot of ass-to-mouth. You see a lot of ass-to-front. And if the porn is produced ethically, the porn performers are mitigating those risks and taking them on themselves willingly and fully informed about the risks and then able to monitor their health to control for those potential Negative outcomes. I wouldn't recommend it to you. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I wouldn't recommend it to a friend of mine who might be doing porn. But it is represented in porn. Unfortunately, a lot of people watch that and then think that they should do it themselves or that it's safe to do and it's not safe. But as with any potentially pleasurable human activity, there are going to be risks. As I like to say, people go snowboarding and slam into trees and die. People eat chicken salad because it's delicious, undercooked salmonella, if they die. If this is something that you want to do without condoms and you are willing to shoulder the risks, you're willing to dodge those trees or to monitor your health after or cook that chicken after or before, it's not entirely irrational to go for it. Although I don't recommend it and I don't think people should do it. And I think the health risks are more serious and perhaps more consequential than the health risks of, say, rimming a clean butthole because you're really getting in there deep and then plunging it in and out and then popping into the vagina. Yeah bad idea. If you'd like your partner to be able to go back and forth between your vagina and your ass without having to put condoms on and off, put a female condom in your ass, receptacle condom in your ass, and he can plunge his bear cock into that condom that's in your ass and then plunge his bear cock into your vag and go back and forth that way. So much less cumbersome than pulling condoms on and off and you will be enjoying ass to vag and back, but safely.
5: Hey, Dan and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. Um, I have a question about network names uh, for Internet. So I um, I moved into my apartment building a few months ago thinking that, hey, this is a queer-friendly environment. I identify as queer and um, I actually did a lease, lease takeover from some friends who um, also identify along those lines. And so I was expecting this to be kind of an inclusive space. It kind of feels like a cul-de-sac where, where the buildings are set up. Anyway, a couple of weeks ago, I came home from work and um, I noticed that uh, several people in my area had changed the names of their Internet networks to be transphobic statements and um, other um, homophobic things ranging from really Transphobic statements to things like "straight as fuck." Just, I guess they needed to be clear about that. Um, I'm wondering what can I do. All that I've been able to come up with so far is changing my network name to Trans Lives Matter, LGBTQ Pride. Um, But I have to look at this several times a day because. I mean, this is my personal thing. I, my internet doesn't connect right away. So every time I connect to internet at home, I have to look at all of these really awful, uh, hateful statements. And I don't know who around me has changed their networks to these names. I don't know what else can be done. What can you do with that kind of thing? I
1: don't know about you guys, but I am really enjoying season four of transparent, which is right where my, Head went when I began to listen to your call because there's a whole plot line that involves a sex and love addicts anonymous meeting. At the end of their meetings, they recite the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Hey, lady, there's nothing you can do about this, literally nothing you can do about it, including prove that these addresses are coming from inside the building. I get on my Wi-Fi in my house and I pick up a friend's Wi-Fi address from three blocks away. Those things bounce around. If you're in a densely packed apartment and your apartment is on the same block or across the street from other apartment buildings or other houses, the people that you're concerned about might not even be in your building. So going to the management of your building to complain about people's Wi-Fi addresses that they'll never be able to track down, never be able to pin on a particular tenant is going to be a waste of your time. It's not something that you can change. So my advice would be if it's a torment to you and, and that you're sharing a building with assholes, that would be a torment to me too. That would annoy me thinking, God, who am I in the elevator with? I get your frustration, but you can't do anything about it. So Get somebody to come over and work on your computer so that when you get on your computer, you automatically hook up to your own Wi-Fi and you don't have to see all these hateful things, perhaps some of which are meant ironically. I have a friend years ago who changed his Wi-Fi address to God hates fags, even though he's the biggest fag in the world, just as a joke without probably thinking about how other people might feel about spotting that when they got on their Wi-Fi. And then you won't have to see anybody's once you get the computer expert over to help you. And even if you do stumble over them every once in a while, you just have to recite the serenity prayer. This is a thing that you cannot change. You're going to have to accept that. There's really nothing you can do about it. Plow your energies and your angst and your drive to make the world a better place into something that you can actually affect change by plowing your energies into it. This, sadly, is not one of those things.
3: Hi, Dan, um, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I ran kind of a conundrum, and it's causing me a great deal of distress, and I was wondering if you had any insight on it. So um, as you can hear, probably I a lot of people think I'm a female, but I actually identify as a trans man, but I haven't had any um, surgery or hormones, and I don't currently plan on getting surgery or starting hormones. It's just not where I am currently. So currently I present as a female. Um, Sometimes I wear more feminine clothes. Sometimes I wear more masculine clothes. And um, basically I can't get anyone in the gay community to like date me or take me seriously as a gay man. And sure, I can go have sex with like a heterosexual, you know, cisgendered man or something like that. But they just don't, they refuse to relate to me as the gay man that I am and I just don't want to feel like just because I am a trans man that I have to get surgery or start hormones like if I make that decision I want it to be my decision and not because I'm being pressured to make that decision by any community and so it's just like how do I find people who are going to date me for who I am when I present as a female and I don't identify as a female but I don't necessarily currently want to take steps medically to look like a man. Like I want to date men because I'm a gay man who are attracted to me as who I am. And I see with, you know, trans women, there's a lot of push for acceptance of um, not identifying penises as necessarily being male genitalia and things like that. But I don't see a lot of that for trans men. And I'm just feeling kind of angry and isolated. And I was wondering if you have any advice.
1: Joining me by phone from London to help tackle this call is Buck Angel, speaker, author, porn star, frequent Savage Lovecast guest, and also a trans man who has had sex with more gay men than I have. Hey, Buck.
6: Hello, my friend, but uh, I don't think I've had more than you, so you better stop saying that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Someday we'll have to get together and compare our sex diaries and get (laughs) get out the ass grabicus and figure out who's had more. All right. So... Speaking for personal experience, let's not even talk about the call for a second. There are gay men out there who will sleep with trans men. Is that not so?
6: Well, you just said it, right? So, um, yeah, I've slept with many, many, many gay men who identify completely as gay men, 100%.
1: And you're having a vagina. You're the the man with the pussy. That's how you style yourself. Isn't a problem for these guys. There are definitely lots of gay men out there who that's not an issue, that they accept you as a man and they appreciate you as a man and they regard your genitalia as male genitalia. That's Buck's pussy. It's a guy's pussy.
6: Yep, 100%. Right. I have no problems at all. Men are so incredibly awesome with me and, uh, yeah, nope, I have no problems
1: and at that, all. Not, not all gay men. There are certainly gay men out there oh. who would have to be described as fallophiles according to some uh, authors on the internet. Uh, Evan Erkler <laughs> at Slate says that people who have a really strong preference for puss or penis should describe themselves as Badget files or fallow uh, oh. um, So there's some gay guys out there who, you know, they want to dick on a dude. And that's not necessarily transphobic so long as no. they're respectful and kind about framing their desires in a non-negative way. Yes. But there yes. are plenty of gay guys who will sleep with trans men. I mean, come on. You, of course, there's going
6: to be gay men who have problems with me. And those are the gay men I don't hang out with. The gay men I hang out with completely respect me as a man. We have amazing sex. Everything is fine. So, yes, there's men who are not going to be into it just like everybody else. Right. We're just like everybody else.
1: So. All right. So now let's pivot to the caller.
6: So uh, there's the, the, so uh, it's difficult for me because I feel for this person. I I feel for this person. I feel it in their voice. I feel the, how much they really want to be taken seriously as a person who identifies as a trans man but let's talk about realistic behavior here and some people are going to get very upset at me for saying this and that's okay because i'm the guy who really wants to make it better for this person and the reality of it is is this person is saying that they do not take hormones they do not have any surgery they presently present as female That right there alone says to me, of course, gay men are not going to be attracted to you. You're presenting as female, even though inside of your body you feel masculine, you present yourself as masculine in your head and in your mind. And that's who you want to be. And all of that is great. And everybody respects that. But the reality of the situation is gay men or whoever are visually attracted to people and visually, right? So there's a visual part of you that people are going to be attracted to, whether that's that hyper masculinity or just, you know, basic masculinity. This person presents as female. Of course, a gay man is not going to necessarily be attracted to you. So so that said, I understand how come gay men are not attracted to her. Does that no, make is, sense to
1: you? Yeah, that totally makes sense. This is the kind of call we get every once in a while, where I think, okay, this person would rather complain than get laid, because I, <laughs> I know a kind of guy out there who might be into him, which is a mm-hmm. bi guy who appreciates his male essence, but also the female that he presents as, appreciates the boobs, appreciates mm-hmm. everything else, the secondary female sex characteristics that yeah. currently this guy manifests. And that guy, that bi guy who can be into the dude that you are, but into the body that you've got, go Mm -hmm. find that guy. But I think the caller would rather complain about how terrible and awful gay men are because gay men won't sleep with trans men, which is a lie.
6: It's a total lie. And that's why I get so upset at this community sometimes because it is a lie. I've proven it to be a lie. Of course, 17 or 18 years ago when I started, yes, gay men had a huge problem with me. You know that. We right. we. That's how we became friends. That's how me and <laughs> you became friends. Exactly. <laughs> you, had, you had a problem with it, but you were fucking gracious enough to have a conversation with me. And from that minute on, you totally got it. I, and we moved forward.
1: I, 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 would say, I would say I had a problem with it. It kind of blew my mind. I was like, what? what? Brave <laughs> new world that has such dudes in it. It was awesome. You were
6: great. (laughs) And I laughed about it, and we had a great time, and we cleared that up. Fast forward to today, look, there are still guys who have a problem with me, and look how masculine I am, right? Mm -hmm. So there are... Going to be problems. And here's the deal with the transgender, specifically the trans male community, when this stuff starts to happen. I personally don't understand this because I come from a whole other space. I'm a transsexual. I'm not even a trans man. To me, a trans man now doesn't have anything to do with what it means to transition or any of that. It's become something totally blurring the lines. And the reality of it is, is that when you start to play with all these gender roles and all these sexual roles, and you start taking them out of where they've already been, you better be prepared for people to push back on you. And that's the reality that this person needs to understand is you're pushing against what people in society have already been set to think the way it is. And we are changing that, which is great, But it takes a long time for people to understand. And this person immediately thinks they're going to say they're a trans man and they identify as a gay man. And then the whole gay community is just going to be like, yeah, no, they're far from it. They're not going to do that. And so we have that real
1: talk. And, and I don't think that that makes the gay community evil or monolithic or bad. Like there are gay yeah. men who who slept with you. I have a really good friend in his 20s who dates trans guys and doesn't make a distinction. Like he dates guys. Some of those guys are trans. And uh, I also gave him a call about this question. And he had a three word response, which is don't do boobs. like he needs you know he's fine with fine with the vagina but he needs all those secondary male sex characteristics that the trans guys he dates are post-op for top surgery but he doesn't care about anything else
6: Right. And that's it. And he's allowed to have that. You know what I mean? Whatever he wants to do as a gay man and whatever makes him attracted, he can do this person. You're right. Is complaining without even understanding what they're complaining about. They want the whole world to just be like, okay, but they're living in a fantasy world. And this is a really bad and a big problem because we're not coming down to this reality. And this is they're living not in Mm -hmm. the world as far as I'm concerned.
1: Because this is someone who would rather complain than get laid.
6: Yes, exactly. I mean, many people will have sex with you, my friend, but you just have to find the person who finds you attractive, and that's that.
1: And that's going to be someone who, with the exteriors and the object thing that you are, because we're all objects as well as human beings and three-dimensional persons, uh, that exterior is female presenting. So you're going to draw the eye... Uh, initially of someone who's attracted to the the female that you present as. And if you go for a bi guy, that guy might be able to tap into also the man that you are. Yeah, that's a really
6: great point, by the way. That's awesome point. So but, that's but, that.
1: But gay guys aren't going to be able to – most of them, almost all of them aren't going to be able to go there. And that's There's not because about- that they're assholes. It doesn't prove that they're transphobic. It proves that they're men attracted to men.
6: It's so ridiculous that it would even say transphobic. There's trans people who don't date trans people. Does that make them transphobic? <laughs> That's like ridiculous behavior. Now we're now we're oh we're getting so insanely uh, nitty gritty about you know just in deep every little crevice that we are actually not moving forward. And this is so upsetting to me that these kinds of things happen because we're not moving forward. We're moving backwards. We can't, we have to, start. anyway, it makes me just go crazy. <laughs>
1: well, Buck <laughs> Angel, you are a force for good and you are moving us forward. <laughs> Buck Angel, speaker, other porn star and trans men who, again, I'm going to assert has had sex with more gay men than I have. Thank you so much for jumping on the phone. <laughs> All right. Love you, my friend. Bye. Right, you too. Bye.
6: Hey,
2: Dan, I'm a 17-year-old straight male. Um, and I'm calling because I have a bit of a situation going on. There's this girl who I really like. She's real cool. And she's kind of been coming on to me, trying to ask me out. I haven't gotten super serious yet, but the situation is that I'm a senior and she's a freshman, and we're only two years apart in age. But I just I feel kind of uncomfortable with the scenario because all of the senior guys I've known who've dated freshman girls have been really creepy dudes. They've kind of been trying to take advantage of them, and there's still kind of this image in my head, this negative image of the senior who's dating the freshman. And so even if she's the one coming on to me and she really likes me and I really like her, do I have some sort of moral obligation not to, you know, go out with her or have sex with her just because of the gross culture of older high school guys dating younger high school girls?
1: If you want to date this girl, you should date this girl. You might want to Google Romeo and Juliet statute in the name of your state to make sure that it's legal for you to date this girl, particularly if you're about to turn 18 and she's still going to be 15. You also might want to consult age of consent laws in the state where you live if indeed you hope to be sexually active with this girl. Because you could get into shit loads of trouble, especially if she has parents who wouldn't appreciate You dating and potentially fucking their minor daughter. All that said, if you do decide to date this girl after checking with your Romeo and Juliet statutes, making sure you're square with the law, maybe if you do decide to date her, do the right thing and meet her parents and make apologies and – unpack for them what you unpacked for us that you always thought this was a bit squicky seniors dating freshmen but you met their daughter and she's so great and she actually initiated contact with you and asked you out and you feel a little conflicted about it but you want everything to be on the up and up and out in the daylight because you're doing the right thing and i think that out in the daylight part is really important don't to avoid the embarrassment or the niggling feeling of hypocrisy don't date her in secret don't tell her that you'll go out with her so long as no one knows, so long as she tells no one to protect your own reputation or to protect yourself from the cognitive dissonance that you're experiencing now that you are that senior dating a freshman, that person you never wanted to be. Because if you date her in secrecy, that's likely to blow up and that's going to isolate her. Like what if you are being manipulative all unintentionally because you're just young and inexperienced, maybe you are not aware of your own sort of Portion of toxic masculinity that you've internalized in this culture and maybe you're going to be a little bit unintentionally unconsciously shitty to her and if she's dating you in secret and can't open up to her parents or her friends about it or her peers or a teacher because the only way she gets to keep seeing you is in secret that's a problem so if you do decide to date this girl i'm sure she's not the only girl in your school there are other options if you do decide to date her google Romeo and Juliet statute, Google, age of consent, date her on the up and up, out in the open, meet her parents, assure them that you're the good dude, a good dude who wants to meet her parents and wants to do right by her and is aware of your responsibility as the older person in this relationship to honor the campsite rule, to leave her better than you found her, to leave her in better shape than you found her if you leave her at all. Who knows? Maybe you guys will be that magic 17, 15-year-old couple who 10 years from now is getting married. High school sweethearts occasionally happens, rarely happens. Maybe it'll be that. But if not, if as is much likelier, you guys date for the school year and then part ways when you go off to college, leave her in better shape than you found her. You can do this. Just do it right.
7: Hey, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old heterosexual, cisgendered, high sex drive female. I am in a relationship with a man two years younger than me. Very attractive, extremely sweet, and attentive. We have been together for only three months, but things have moved quite fast. I find myself in a rather strange situation. While I have feelings for him and our libidos are a good match, his penis size is what I would describe as monstrous, both in length and girth. And I have enjoyed large penises before and never had a problem with them. But I can't get over the pain his cock inflicts in me, no matter how many times we try and how much foreplay we work in. It has become a heavy issue between us. I feel awful, but he literally rips my vagina. Needless to say, we are both so sexually frustrated now, and I feel so bad because the size of his penis is nothing he can control. There are, There is nothing he, can, he is doing wrong in the sack at all. On the other hand, I have been noticing a series of immature behaviors related to lack of ambition and a gambling habit that he claims to have under control. His immaturity turns me off to the point where I don't, even get horny around him anymore. Dan, I want to start my life, buy a house, eventually get married, and have a kid. I want someone who is at least as ambitious and driven as I am. He still lives with his parents, has a just-okay job, doesn't save his money at all, and is a procrastinator. Older, successful, determined guys are what attracts me, but the ones that I have found always have too much baggage, so no luck in that department. Help me, Dan. This guy treats me like a queen, so it's hard to think about giving that up. Please let me hear your thoughts.
1: I'm going to play back a clip from a call from your call. Here we go.
7: His immaturity turns me off to the point where I don't even get horny around him anymore.
1: He doesn't turn you on anymore. You're three months into this relationship. Setting aside his ginormous penis and the challenges a ginormous penis can present You're not attracted to him anymore. You've learned enough about him in the last three months to realize that he's not someone that you can see yourself with long term, lives at home with his parents, has a gambling problem, has no ambition. And you picture yourself, you want someone as your life partner who is ambitious, uh, doesn't live with his parents, doesn't have a gambling problem, someone that you can save money to own a house with, not somebody who's going to gamble away the mortgage every month. So he's not your guy. So you don't need to solve the big penis problem. You are not into this guy. You are not attracted to him. It's over. Say goodbye. Say goodbye to him and his giant penis. I promise you there are ambitious dudes out there who want out of life the same shit that you want out of life who have penises of varying sizes. And and you can Goldilocks your way through all those cocks until you find the just right penis on the ambitious dude that you are horny for three months in. Still horny for three months in. You are not horny for this guy three months in. That is a terrible sign. So tell him it's over. Tell him, thank you for the giant penis. It was fun to meet him and fun to get to know him. And maybe you guys can stick the dismount and be friends, but you're not going to be lovers. You're not going to be partners. And as a side note, as an addendum, uh, I'm sure people think I'm about to talk about how to have sex with somebody with a giant penis. We've talked about that in the past. I might talk about that in the future. I want to talk about this idea that if you have tremendous ambition, that your ideal partner is someone who has similarly tremendous ambition and- Maybe that's the case. I don't think you want to be with somebody who lacks any ambition. I don't think you want to be with somebody who's not imagining the future that they'd like for themselves. But if you have tremendous ambition, if you're incredibly driven, sometimes the better partner is someone who is more relaxed about life, who wants a decent job but doesn't want the killer job or the top job, who's going to be there to support you while you go for it. I don't think everybody's cut out for the kind of cutthroat competitive Greasy pole climbing shit that super ambitious people are cut out for and sometimes if there are two incredibly ambitious people in one relationship, their ambitions pull them apart. But if there's one incredibly ambitious person and one person who's a little less ambitious but more in tune with the quality of life that they want to lead and less about getting to you know that six or seven-figure income, those two together can make a great partner. Somebody can be – you say you want kids. You say you want a home. You say you want that kind of future. What about a stay-at-home dad? What if that's someone's ambition? Some guy might come along with a reasonably-sized penis who doesn't have professional ambitions like you have professional ambitions, but whose ambitions for his life might complement your professional ambitions very, very well. Don't discount that kind of guy. You don't want a freeloader. You don't want a loser. You don't want a bum, however big the tick is. But someone who loves and supports you and contributes in ways that aren't necessarily about the giant-ass paycheck or the top job, That's a different kind of ambition, and it might partner well with your particular kind of ambition.
8: Hey, Dan, I would love some wisdom. I would be considered to have two serious relationships throughout my life, many that I would not consider serious. Um, First off, I'm obviously uh, late 20s, uh, single male, straight. And um, the girl that I most recently dated was a four-year relationship, and it was, I would say, about a year and a half of actual relationships and two and a half years of wondering whether or not she was being honest to me. Long story short, um, finally listened to my gut and realized that that was not something that I wanted to be in and that I was worth more than what I was getting. been about a year now being single uh, after several dates that ended either horribly or just not interested. Met somebody. And the butterflies came back, fell, uh, try not to fall too hard. I guess my question to you is not really getting the best gut feeling from this person. When do you decide to listen to the gut and when do you decide to ignore it?
1: So this suspicion, this, this gut feeling that you got 1.5 years into your previous relationship and already so soon in the relationship yeah. that are in now, what is your gut telling you? What are you suspicious of?
8: gosh it's so it's it's tough because I'm trying to balance the act of not bringing back feelings from the past into to this girl, but um to be honest with you, it kind of, my gut's telling me to not necessarily trust what she's saying, but what is conflicting with me right now is why would when why would, her actions outside of when her and I are together don't back up what she seems to be saying when we are together um the way that i feel in regards to her personality and but wait wait wait. no no that's that's vague.
1: that's vague what is she saying to you that doesn't jibe with what her actions what is she telling you that's in conflict with what she's doing
8: well she's similar to me to where we were both young and dumb we did a lot of our mistakes in regards to hurting other people or just growing up and being dumb when we were younger in our teenage years. And now she is back in Charlotte, North Carolina and mm-hmm. seems to be wanting to have more of a low key laid back looking for the real deal kind of lifestyle. Um,
1: All right. You still haven't answered and, my question. I
8: know I'm trying to answer it as directly as I possibly can. <sighs> Honestly, Dan, I mean, she's, she's saying directly that she, you know, it really Feels super compatible with me. She really enjoys spending her time with me. She can't believe that since she just moved back to Charlotte, that I'm the first person that she's been with, and how well her and I mesh together.
1: Okay, and then what's she doing? What's she doing that makes you think that that might be a lie?
8: So that changed from that after all that conversation was said. I tried to make plans with her, and that went from hey, let's hang out this week to. Possibly this weekend, and then I realized that was because she was, you know, seeing other people, going out, and...
1: Okay, and how long have you been seeing her?
8: For about three weeks.
1: Okay, you. if you haven't had a conversation about it Mm -hmm. being exclusive... Correct. Then she is allowed at three weeks to be dating other people or hedging her bets a little bit. Like, at three weeks, she's telling you, you know what, I have a really good feeling about you, I'd like to keep seeing you. But she's like betting that you're somebody she might want to be with. She doesn't know that for sure. You guys don't know each other. She can't tell oh. you like you're it. You're the guy. I'm moving in. Marry me. Marry me now. <laughs> and if she said all of that, I would tell you to run.
8: I would. And her. trust me, I, I absolutely 100% would. So what you – wait, wait, wait. So what
1: you regard as suspicious okay. behavior, which is her hedging her bets, mm-hmm. is actually something that you should appreciate. It's actually a very good sign about her common sense and her good judgment absolutely that she's uh, she's into you she's going to keep seeing you but you know what it's just uh-huh. three weeks in she just got back to town she might like go hang out with some other friends she might want to acclimate a little bit more before she commits to something more serious
8: absolutely and i hope that it, i 100 percent hope that's the case because i'm the exact same way i know it's honestly it's weird me being on the side of the fence kind of on the side like the crazy person who wants to rush into the relationship but mm-hmm. i'll give you a specific example dan and and just hearing, uh, by the way, just so you know, I mean, I heard you for the first time on the Sugar's podcast and gave advice about something that was awesome. But I appreciate <laughs> your directness and bluntness. It's awesome. Um, I'm the same way when I get when I give others advice. So anyway, here's a pr- specific example. We had a great weekend together last weekend. We made plans to hang out this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now, the wonderful world of social media loves to just make relationships a thousand times harder now. So here's the thing. I am a person who will be, I'll give you your space and your freedom to do your shit. And I'm not going to be av- all up in you trying to figure out your business. So okay. I know based on social media, uh, Friday night that she was, you know, out with somebody else, which totally fine. Um, Saturday morning, the day that we're supposed to hang out, you know, we had already made plans to hang out that evening, Saturday morning, she's out to breakfast with that person. Um, mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon, she is out at something with that person as well. So, me to my keep my pride, I guess, in check is why would I reach out to this person when you're throwing it in my face on social media that you're obviously having fun with somebody else?
9: Right.
1: So
8: why am I going to reach out to you and say, "Hey, are we still on for tonight?" Just to get ignored?
1: So did you see? Guys, did you guys see each other that night?
8: No, we didn't. And here's the kicker: so I wrote her off. You know, I was come Saturday evening, I was hurt and upset because I was like, you know what, if that was your thing and that's what you wanted to do, I, I would have accepted it and been totally cool with it. Right. Why did you go into all the bullshit details about how great you feel when you're around me? Um, and So I wrote it off. So Sunday morning I get a text message from her and says, so what did you end up doing last night? And I, I looked at it in shock and I go, ah, well, you know, after this girl I was supposed to hang out with, Failed on me. I went out and met some friends, and then my Uber decided to get me into a car accident. So I went home, oh. hit the reset button, <laughs> and that's the true story. Uh, was, so it was a great okay, Saturday okay. for me.
1: Okay, so <laughs> I, I want to backtrack a little bit, and you know, I said okay. that she demonstrated good judgment. She demonstrated bad judgment. Uh, you know, she demonstrated good judgment at not wanting to marry you after three weeks and not committing right. to an exclusive relationship at three weeks. But she demonstrated sure. bad judgment in you know if she knows that you're following her on social media if she invited you to follow her on social media right to put pictures up like that not because she's not allowed to date other people but because if she's dating more than one person right now and it's and that's not explicit like hey i'm i'm seeing multiple people right now and they're gonna pop up on social media and so are you if that's not explicit then her putting that guy you know in you know clearly telegraphing to you not that just there's this you know there's this black hole, there's this place you don't talk about her address right now where you guys aren't exclusive and if you're dating somebody else, she's not necessarily needing to disclose that to you uh, and vice versa, Correct. but what if, she, if she's putting on her social media, I went out with this guy Friday night and Saturday morning we're having breakfast what she's doing is saying, fuck that dude in a pretty loud voice in front of this other guy that she's dating or fucking and what that demonstrates <laughs> is bad judgment or just simple inconsideration For how you might feel. And you don't want to date someone who's inconsiderate of your feelings. That doesn't mean that she doesn't have the right right now to see more than one person and to fuck more than one person. Particularly if you're seeing more than one person or fucking more than one person. But what you want – and I think you could say this to her if you really do like her. Like you had a right to do all of that. But me seeing it like play out on your social media was just a little inconsiderate of my feelings. Because if we're going to keep seeing each other and dating and at some point we become exclusive – yeah, I'll know that you saw other people in the past, and maybe I'll know in kind of a vague way that perhaps at the beginning of our relationship you saw a couple of people concurrently, but I don't want to have the details rubbed in my nose. Right. Not Which because I
8: would, I'm- I would never. Right. That. Okay, not because I'm controlling
1: thing. or jealous, not because you don't have to have right to your past and your own choices. Just because, you know, there's a little bit of the suspension of disbelief that a lot of people have to engage in when they when they date someone. And they'll back exactly. you know, they'll backdate exclusivity to the, the 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 day they met. You know, when they once right. they really like make a commitment. And maybe you right. know five years, ten years in, you know, you guys you eat together at the beach or you get drunk and you're like, yeah, I was seeing somebody else at the beginning but they weren't anywhere near as good as you and I got rid of that person and here we are. And it's not going to be so scalding as to at the beginning of the relationship when you might be having that kind of oxy wave, oxytocin's wave, uh, joy hormone wave sort of uh, infatuation stage to have that bubble popped by – a social media post that says, yeah, I'm dating you and I'm really into you, but hey, fuck this other dude last night and he was pretty good too. I like, know. <laughs> so insane. if you want to keep seeing her, that's the conversation to have uh-huh. with her. I really admire okay. the fact yeah. that, you know, at three weeks, you aren't losing your head, I'm not losing my head, and this is still, you know, a tentative thing. But right. I would really appreciate if we're going to keep seeing each other that I not, you know, see on your social media – you know, clear evidence of the competition of the dude I'm competing with. Cause I don't need that in the back of my head when we're together.
8: Yeah. And th- that, that was, that was exactly my point through the whole thing. And it was, it was almost mind boggling on, on, on the next day when she did reach out to me and was like, what, ha-, you know, what did you end up doing last night? And when I told her, um, her response was, Oh, you know, I'm sorry, you got into an accident. Um, and did I, did I ghost on you or did you ghost on me? And, basically trying to imply that i didn't reach out to her on saturday morning okay and that was why we but, didn't hang out and so i mean and my response was casual i was just like well you know i go i definitely don't think it was me on that um i go you look like you were occupied and i didn't want to bother you and i just said you know and, and what and did she go, say hey, what did go, she say
1: me. when you said looked like you were she, occupied
8: i I, go, I didn't i go you look like you were occupied and that's fine you do you and she goes well she goes i'm sorry if it seemed that way i am always you know she goes i am always doing stuff Um." But she goes, if that was my mess up, I'm sorry, and I would like to do a rain check if you will. Okay, well, do you you
1: want to see her again?
8: Yeah, I do. Okay, see um, her again. See her again. involved around to the gut.
1: Okay, Okay. see her again. And as a general note, we tell people to trust their gut, but you do need to interrogate your gut. Because someone else could have dishonesty issues, but you could have trust issues. Right. And there are people out there who have trust issues who listen a little too much to their gut and their gut is misleading them and their gut is destroying every relationship they're ever going to be in because they have irrational suspicions and Mm -hmm. you're going to drive partners off and scare partners off. Not you, you particularly, but anybody out there with that kind of trust issue, gut problem is going to drive partners off because nobody wants to live with someone who can't invest them with their trust. If right. you decide to keep seeing this yeah. one, you have to invest her with a trust, she's going to have to pay you back for that investment by mm-hmm. making an effort to be considerate, not yeah. to lie to you, yeah. not to you know go out of her way to pretend that if she's dating more than one guy right now, she's you know not yet that she's exclusive with you and she's not, but to be considerate right. of your feelings as you guys continue to see each other and see where this goes. Good luck to you.
8: Yeah. Thank you, Dan, so much for the call back. I really appreciate it bud.
10: Hi, Dan. Um, This is Bailey, 25-year-old straight female in Texas. I've been with my fiance for three and a half years. This is the second time we dated. We grew up together. And our relationship is great. It really is. And I'm really excited. We're getting married in March. Uh, It's the most healthy relationship I've ever been in, which, you know, good thing we're getting married. But there is one thing I'm a little hung up on. Um, His sex drive is pretty high or I mean, honestly, it could be just normal for a man. I'm afraid that mine is kind of low, and I feel that a lot of times when we have sex, it's me just trying to please him and do something that he wants to do, um, and I don't want to lose him, so I'm willing to do that. Um, But my, my concern is that I have a lot of insecurity. I kind of go up and down when it comes to weight loss, and I'm really having trouble this time getting the weight off, but I'm wor- I'm working hard at it every day. I've already lost 30 pounds this time, and I'm really hoping that it sticks. But my question is, um, you know, I've seen some of the porn that he looks at, and actually because of your podcast, I have kind of opened up a little bit, and, you know, that doesn't bother me anymore. I used to be really bothered that he looks at porn, but because I've been listening to your podcast, you've kind of opened my eyes to, you know, just opening my heart a little bit more to uh, everyone's sexuality. My concern is that the women that he looks at in his porn, I think subconsciously makes me insecure when, you know, we get into the area of sex. I, those women don't look like me, um, at all in any facet, you know, they're big, uh, busted blonde, you know, very fit women that, you know, just aren't me. And I get concerned that at the end of the day, I'm just not the kind of person that he thinks is beautiful, even though he tells me that all the time. And I know that this has a lot to do with my own insecurities but i guess i'm just wondering if there's anything that you could suggest to help me kind of shake it off you know i i feel like with every pound i lose i'm not really gaining more security in myself so i'm trying to think of more ways that i can um, gain sexual security in myself so that i can please himself him and please myself. You know, after li- listening to your podcast, I realized that I really am behind when it comes to exploring myself. I never really have masturbated um, ever. And I just, that explorative time in my life, I lost my virginity when I was very young. And now that I'm 25 years old and in this committed relationship, and I kind of want to explore my sexuality. I find myself stopping because of my insecurity and because of, I, because of the women that I know that he looks at. I guess I, I guess I don't really have a specific question other than, do you have any tips to help me kind of break through my own shell and, you know, kind of break through that so that I can be a good wife and, you know, love myself and love my husband?
1: I thought it was really interesting that you never said whether you were attracted to your husband, that as an object how do you regard him? How do you find him? Does he turn you on? My concern in listening to your call, not about your weight, not about the fact that you haven't masturbated. And I would encourage you to please start masturbating, but a concern about your agency. What do you want? What works for you? What turns you on? And what do you want to do? Not just have done to you. You say that he has a higher libido and that's fine. And you're willing to, you know, Be good giving and game giving. Sometimes you give pleasure without an expectation, immediate return. Sometimes you have maintenance sex with a partner. That's a thing, Uh, not just a thing that I assign. Also a thing that I do in my own relationship and my partner does for me sometimes in our relationship. And so I don't think you're doing anything wrong, but I think that you need to figure out what it is that you want and figure it out before March, before you marry the porn issue. It's possible, it's probable that your potential future husband, your fiancé, is attracted to more than one kind of woman. And there may be a particular kind of porn woman that he goes to for porn and then a particular kind of reality woman that he goes to the women that he's dated, goes to you for. And that he is as attracted to you because you aren't just the the physical and the present but also the intimate and the personal. The, The human being that you are on the inside also is something that attracts him. And you need to relax into that and you need to accept that. And you need to see the proof of his attraction to you in his actions toward you. It sounds like he's constantly and always initiating sex with you. And you need to take that yes for an answer. Yes, he's into you. Also into other women, other types of women. I am not the only type that my husband is attracted to. He's not the only type I'm attracted to. We're able to be honest with each other about that without feeling threatened by it. And therefore it doesn't queer our relationship or screw it up because we're both capable of taking the yeses that we give each other all the time for answers. Yeses in the form often of blowjobs for answers and you need to do that yourself. You need to will that for yourself. But I think the most important thing you need to do in addition to beginning to masturbate is really tap into and unlock your desires. That doesn't mean you need to ramp up your libido to his level. Your libido is where it is and maybe it waxes and wanes over the course of your life. Uh, A lot of women – get into their 30s and sometimes 40s and their libidos take off in an unexpected way. So your libido boom may be coming or it may not. This may be your set level for a while. So I'm not saying tap into your desires, tap into your agency and you will match him. I'm just – I was really taken aback by the fact that you never said a word about your husband as an object. You talked a lot about yourself as an object. If only you could lose 10 more pounds. You've lost 30 and congratulations. If only you could lose – I don't know, 10 more pounds, 20 more pounds, and then dye your hair blonde, you would be comfortable and believe him when he said he was attracted to you. That's just you sabotaging yourself sexually because even if you do lose all the weight, then you're going to go look at those porn pictures and there's going to be something else that you are not that they are. Stop looking at his porn. Stop looking at his porn pictures. Stop comparing yourself to idealized bodies. Stop comparing yourself to kabuki theater sex. And revel in the real hot, sweaty, intimate, personal, erotic, fleshy sex that you and your husband, and I don't use fleshy to indicate, wait, I use fleshy to indicate actual human bodies coming into contact, which provides its own sensations and its own benefits and its own perks, as opposed to eyeballs just grazing pornography. Lean into that and appreciate that and be confident in all the yeses you get from him all the time that he is into you, that you turn him on also. A lot of people want, I turn you on only, only I turn you on, only my type turns you on. And I don't understand what's so awesome about that. What's so awesome about being with someone who's only attracted to the particular kind of person that you are, only attracted to you, then you're the only person they could possibly be with. Then you haven't been chosen. You aren't special. You're the only lid for their pot. They had to take you. He chose you who you are physically, also who you are emotionally, and who you are erotically to him. Love that. Accept that. Lean into that. Take the yeses. And when you feel yourself getting insecure, look at how he behaves, not just run to the computer and look at his web browser history. And if he's being inconsiderate, leaving his porn lying around, leaving it open on a computer, he needs to be more considerate about your insecurity. Like, you don't want to run across it. You want to maybe not think about it so much. And he needs to make an effort to... Not hide the fact that he occasionally consumes pornography, as they say, but that his pornography, you know, maybe triggers his wife a little bit. Sandpapers are insecurities. So he's going to do a better job of keeping it out of sight and hopefully out of mind. And masturbate. Fantasize and masturbate. Start reading erotica. A lot of women don't like pornography, don't like the visuals, in part because they don't want to make the comparisons that can make them feel insecure. The whole culture bags on women about their bodies and encourages women to compare their bodies to other women's bodies and it's all a competition. That's why I think so many women really tap into and enjoy erotica, not just romance novels, uh, but pornography, literary pornography, and that may be the key for you. Get a vibrator, get on Amazon Singles, download a bunch of porn, read around, figure out what cranks you up, and then take that to your husband. And hopefully he cranks you up. Hopefully this isn't just about you as the object, but also him as the object and the person, just as you are to him both object and person. And that combo of you, the object and you, the person turns him the fuck on and he is into you. And hopefully you feel the same way about him.
0: Hi, Dan. I am a 23 year old uh, woman, heterosexual from the Midwest. And I'm calling about my boyfriend because of our sex life. He had an interesting relationship with his mom. You know his mom was promiscuous and he often, Um, Would hear the things going on in the house as a young um, child, and she has since um, passed away and is no longer with us. But I think there's a lot of trauma involved in there because he gets really uncomfortable if I come on to him or, you know, if I try to initiate sex at all, which is just um, kind of frustrating for me because I. I feel like I don't get to have a say in when or how that happens in our relationship. So I'm just kind of curious how I should handle that.
1: You handle that by going to your boyfriend and saying, look, I am sensitive to your insecurities and your issues and your trauma, but I'm not going to be controlled by your insecurities, issues and trauma. I'm not going to allow that shit to control me And you shouldn't allow that shit to control you either. This is another, as I said to the previous caller, get thee to a therapist, go issue. This is something he needs to work through and unpack if he's going to be in a relationship with you. You have desires. You would like to initiate sex. You experience horniness and you can't be with someone who, for his own reasons, won't allow you to inhabit those experiences and desires and that horniness because his mom – was an asshole. You can't live the rest of your life on tenterhooks because his mom behaved inappropriately in front of him and involved her children inappropriately in her sex life and in her sexual transgressions. So he needs to work through this if he wants you, if he wants to stay with you. And you should require him to work through this as a condition of staying with him. Yes, we all arrive in our long, long, long long-term relationships with damage and trauma and issues, and we can ask our partners to be cognizant of them and sensitive to them, but we can't ask our partners to bend or twist themselves to allow their lives to be warped to work around and accommodate our shit and our issues. We have to work through them ourselves and present ourselves to our partners in relatively good working order. If you are with a guy who tells you You can never initiate sex. I don't ever want to get the impression that you are horny. You're only there for me to act upon. They're not in good enough working order to be anyone's partner. So get him to a therapist, tell him he's got to get himself to a therapist as a condition of continuing to see you. And if he won't break the fuck up with him, DTMFA.
10: Hey Dan, this is a 20 something calling from the Midwest. I'm just calling because my partner and I have five years who so have been in a monogamous commitment um for the last five years has entered into an open relationship. So the first time that he tried to pick someone up, he was very, very intoxicated. And he did it at a bar where my twin sister works. Um, A little background, they've been friends for, you know, just as long as we've been dating. We're all really close. Um, and even though time and place are an issue here, and I know my boyfriend was very drunk and he did something that necessarily did like, you know, wasn't a good idea because it risks, um, our social circle because they weren't aware that we were in an open relationship and my sister thought he was just openly cheating on me in front of her, um, Anyways, my sister became very upset naturally, and she's saying that she's going to write off my boyfriend, who she's been very close with for five years, but that she will still maintain contact with me and having being in an open relationship because I'm her sister. And while I know this is his battle to fight because he was the drunken oath that, you know, tried to take somebody home in front of her, I can't help but feel like there's some language here that would be a teachable moment for her. And I know that you know some people aren't ever going to come around to open relationships, but I think it's really unfair of her to write my partner off when I'm making the same choice as him. Um, anything you can say to help? I don't really know if I even asked a question, but anything you could do to fix, help me fix the situation, be appreciated.
1: You did the right thing by telling your sister that you're in an open relationship. Your boyfriend did a dumb thing by getting drunk and being so inconsiderate and just fucking stupid as to pick someone up in a bar drunk off his ass in front of his girlfriend's sister who didn't know and didn't necessarily need to know that you two were in an open relationship. But now she needs to know. She needed to know after witnessing that and you did the right thing by telling her and your sister is doing the wrong thing by telling you that she will have nothing to do with your awful, terrible boyfriend. She will maintain a relationship with you. However, because she disapproves apparently of openness and is putting all the blame and all responsibility for your open relationship onto your boyfriend's shoulders. And what you need to say to your sister is you are stripping me of agency here. This isn't something that is being done to me. This is a choice that we have made together. This is what I want to. And if you can't be with or have a relationship with my boyfriend of five years because we're in an open relationship, well then you can't have one with me either because the thing that you're mad at him for By all rights and in fairness you have to be mad at me for it too because this is my choice as well don't let your sister compartmentalize your relationship in this way no 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 that's unfair unfair to your boyfriend your boyfriend did a dumb thing you guys had to come out to your sister now you are put in the position of having to stick up for your boyfriend. Your sister would probably rather create a narrative in her head where you are the damsel in distress and that you have submitted your poly under duress or open under duress in this relationship because your boyfriend has this Bengali-like control over you and this isn't about you or your desires or what you want. And you know that it is about you and your desires and what you want also. And you need to emphatically communicate that to your sister and emphatically communicate to her that she is being unfair to your boyfriend and you are not going to let her do that. And this is about your relationship with her too. That's on the line too. You see this a lot when a couple comes out as poly or kinky if they need to come out as kinky to their family where the family doesn't want to see their little darling, their sister or their kid as the pervert. And so they instead regard the partner as having perverted them. That perversion was something done to that person by this evil outside force, not something that grew in that own person's heart or not something that person always wanted. Because they're so kink negative or openness negative or polyphobic or whatever. And the onus is really on the partner who's being let off the hook when that happens to climb back up on that fucking hook that your family or your sister, in your case, is trying to let you off by pinning all the blame and all the responsibility on your boyfriend. Don't let her get away with it.
4: Hey, Dan. Um, This is a 27-year-old female from the West Coast. I've been with my partner for a little over a year now, and we live on opposite sides of the country most of that time, about eight months out of the year. I recently cheated on him when I was blackout drunk, and this is the second time, and the first time I told myself that I would just keep it to myself, and I would learn from it and grow from it. And... You know, it helped me for a long time. I was, you know, not drinking, not drinking hard liquor. But last night was an exception, and I slept with one of my friends. I feel like I have to tell him because he has the choice of whether he wants to stay in this or not. But part of me doesn't want to ruin... His world. I know what it's like to be psychologically fucked from having been cheated on in the past. And he's a wonderful man, the best, healthiest, honest, gentle man I've ever had. And I just don't know what to do. It's not the person I want to be, but it's the person I used to be. And with him, everything is different. And I guess my question is, do I tell them? Do I tell them about all of it? Do I tell them the first time? Do I just tell them about now? I don't know.
1: Of course, I'm going to begin by saying that men shouldn't be sleeping with women who are blackout drunk. That's someone who is that drunk is incapacitated, incapable of giving meaningful consent. So that said, I'm curious as to whether you get blackout drunk, and this happens, or you get blackout drunk, so this can happen. That you're going out, and you're you know you have this urge, you have this need, you have the desire to have an, an experience, to fuck somebody else, and booze is the excuse because it relieves you of responsibility for your actions. And you know there's this thing you want to do, and a lot of people have this problem. There's this thing that they want to do. And the only way they can do it is to fuck themselves up so that they disinhibit and then can go fucking do it. And so if that's what's going on here, yeah, you do need to have a conversation with your boyfriend of one year about who you know yourself to be, which is someone who is incapable of honoring a monogamous commitment. And you don't want to be the kind of person who cheats and you don't want to be the kind of person who runs out and gets hammered so that you can do the things that you want to do and have the experiences that you want to have sexually sexually. You want to be the kind of person who has a grounded relationship, who has integrity and who is able to be honest with her partner about who she is and what she wants. And if what these clues are telling you is what your behavior is telling you is that a monogamous commitment is not who you are, not what you want. Don't make a monogamous commitment. You know yourself now. If you know yourself to be incapable of this kind of monogamous commitment, don't make it. And you might have to unmake it in this case with your boyfriend And who knows, maybe he'd be down with a non-monogamous relationship. Maybe if you were in an open, honest, ethical non-monogamous relationship, ethical non-monogamy, you wouldn't have to go get hammered. Or maybe you have a drinking problem and the sex is irrelevant to the drinking problem and you should stop fucking drinking. If you're not yourself when you're hammered, don't get fucking hammered. This is something you have to sit with. This is something you have to think about. I've been recommending a lot of therapy on this show today. Get thee to a therapist go. There's only so much we can do here in our informal just friends conversation about sex and relationships. But if you have a drinking problem and these aren't behaviors you would engage in sober, then this isn't about sex necessarily. It's not necessarily about monogamy or non-monogamy, the kind of relationship that you want to be in. I can't know from where I sit right now what the issue is. You have to figure out what the issue is. But there is so much sex negativity and so much slut shaming that comes down on women's shoulders in our culture that there are women out there who can't make, shouldn't make, don't want to make monogamous commitments but feel that they must because that's what a good person would do. And then when they want to be a bad person, they have to find a way to not be themselves. Booze or drugs is often that ticket out of the good person that you are and into the bad person that you aren't and don't want to be. But you know what? Maybe you actually are and maybe there's a way to integrate those two halves of yourself, the person who wants love and commitment and security and intimacy to be really known by someone and the person who wants the freedom to have an adventure every once in a while and wants to grant that freedom to their partner without having to get fucking hammered to go have that adventure, without having to use booze to unlock the box that you've locked yourself in. Get thee to a therapist, go, figure this the fuck out, ask yourself yourself. Look in the mirror and ask yourself, honestly, what is it that you want? What is it that you're capable of? What is it that you need sexually? And if one person, even in the course of just for a year, if one person isn't enough for you, don't make commitments. Don't make monogamous commitments. But if it's the booze, if take good, ethical, capable of honoring and making a monogamous commitment, you and add Jack Daniels and you get this kind of shit, stop fucking adding Jack Daniels. Talk to a therapist.
11: Hi, Dan. I am a 28-year-old heterosexual male. I've been in a long-term relationship with a wonderful female for about 10 months, and everything's great, but she is a bartender, and at times she does like to drink, and when she drinks too much, we tend to argue, and the arguments invariably result in her running away from me. Like, we've been downtown in a city that we've never been in before, and something will come up. She'll fly off the handle and literally run away from me, and I have to, you know, go around town looking for her. It's happened four or five times in the few months that we've been together, and when when she does this, one of the things that she likes to say is, I'll go sleep with someone who cares about me, and I try and make it obvious every day that I care about her, but when she runs away, I feel like all of that's for nothing. So I'm wondering, you know, first of all, could that be indicative of a larger issue? Like, does she actually want to sleep with someone else or is it just her being, you know, heated in the moment? And second, like, what, how do I pursue that from here and how do I make that stop? Because apart from that, everything's
1: great. 10 months. You've been dating this person for 10 months. And in that 10 months, four or five times, she's gotten hammered, engineered a conflict, run off, and told you she's going to go fuck somebody who cares about her. Dump the motherfucker already. She is a mess. She has a drinking problem. You should tell her that on the way out. And she needs to get help. She's apparently, some part of her brain knows that she needs help, And she keeps putting you in this position where you have to rescue her. She knows she needs help. And this drama that she keeps recreating is kind of a cry for help. But she's crying at the wrong person and she's seeking it in a negative way, negative attention. She's seeking negative attention, your attention in the wrong way. And yeah, you need to fucking pull the plug. You need to tell this woman, look – I like you very much. I could see myself dating you. But you have a drinking problem and a drama problem. And the combo of drinking and drama isn't something that I'm willing to put up with. So I'm out. (laughs) Dan Savage told me to tell you what he told so many people on this episode of The Lovecast. Get thee to a therapist. Go. Because she needs help that a boyfriend cannot provide. And she knows it. Which is why she keeps recreating this little play. This little drama in your life. She knows she needs help. You aren't the guy to give it to her. So long as you're there pretending that you are playing this part, she's going to delay getting the help she ultimately needs. So end the relationship. Tell her to get thee to a therapist go, or tell her I said so.
12: Hi Dan. My name's Alice. I'm a thirty-eight year old from Melbourne in Australia. I'm considering having sex with someone who would be cheating on their wife and I would like your advice as to whether or not this situation falls into the doing what needs to be done to stay married and stay sane category or whether knowing I'd get amazing sex out of it is clouding my judgment. The guy involved is 27 and he's my ex-fuck buddy from about five or six years ago. We saw each other a couple, of times for a, a couple of times a week for about a year and a half and it was hands down the best sex I've ever had, like fireworks every single time. Um, It never turned into anything more because he was intent on having a family. I wasn't interested in that, and we just weren't compatible outside the bedroom um, to have a relationship. Early last year, he called me out of the blue to say that he was getting married, and his fiancée had said to him that she knows what he's like and that he should go out and do whatever he needs to do before they got married, but she didn't want to know about it. Um, Having been a listener for a long time, I voiced my concern then that if things he needed from sex he wasn't getting in that relationship, then perhaps he should consider if marriage and monogamy was something he could sustain. But he said he was happy with her, and but however, there were things he wanted to do again with me for old times' sake while he had a leave pass. Anyway, it didn't work out. I had a massive job. There was no opportunity, and I didn't hear from him again until last Tuesday. I was walking out of an appointment at my physio, and he tapped me on the shoulder in the waiting room. Turns out he had the appointment after mine with the exact same therapist, um, anyway, completely random, he texted me afterwards and just to say it was nice to see me, exchanged a couple of how hey, you doing kind of texts and then he called me the next day and we arranged to have a drink, which I'm not going to lie, despite being surface-level platonic, was very kind of sexually charged. We always had ridiculously strong chemistry and that hasn't changed. So to try and get to my point, it turns out that his wife... He's married now, obviously he's eight months pregnant with twins and he's left the business. He started and adored doing bespoke furniture for an extremely demanding but much more well-paid yep. job um, in construction to support the family he's about to have and it's been seven months since they've had sex and he asked me to consider letting off some steam with him. He was pretty open about how much he cares for his wife and how hard the pregnancy has been on her and how he admires how she's handled the complications, but that he was finding it really tough. Having known his voracious libido and how rough he likes his sex, I think that the chances he'll have sex with someone other than his wife, if not now, while she's recovering from giving birth and nursing the twins are probably close to 100%. It was obvious to me um, that he was wound up really tight. I'm currently single and I have a good sex life between my current fuck buddy and the dating I do, so I'm not desperate for sex, but I'm concerned that the certainty of how excellent the sex would be with him, and I know it would be, um, I'm concerned that that's affecting my thinking. I've always kind of thought that having sex with a married man would be something I'd feel very conflicted about. But when I consider it, I'm not feeling conflicted at all. I feel like if he's going to have sex with someone, I'm probably a good choice because he'll get exactly what he wants. And I care about him not blowing up his marriage. So I would be careful in like every way. So yeah, love you and the team lots, Jen. Please let me know if you think this would be the wrong thing to do.
1: Oh my God. This is the show that there's going to be torches and pitchforks in the hands of angry seven month pregnant women outside my studios next week. Because just as with the earlier caller I wanted to lean on, well, you know, if you were somebody fifty years, the only channel on once or twice pretty good at being monogamy. And here I feel like how do I avoid rehearsing, do what you need to do to stay married and stay sane. And so my temptation is, you know, if he's gonna fuck somebody, you know, your rationalization, I think, is kinda rational. Why not you? Better it be you. You're not going to catch feelings for him. You've been his fuck buddy in the past. You've been each other's release, but you have no desire to be with him or to break up his family. You don't want him for yours. You want him for the awesome sex every once in a while. And if that helps him stay married, stay sane, particularly at this point where he's, Seven months in, then maybe it would be for the best, maybe better you than somebody he picks up who catches feelings and then calls the wife or blows up his fucking life. But that's putting me in the position of telling you to fuck somebody. you telling this guy that it's okay for him to fuck you when his wife's at home seven months pregnant. And what if she finds out? And what are we saying here that his wife is growing two human beings in her body, two human beings are going to kick their way out of her body. And... His balls are full. And so he's the one whose needs are paramount. He's the one who's in real physical torment here. Not her, not the woman at home, seven months pregnant with his kids who are about to kick their way out of her vagina. But him with his balls full of sperm cells that he can relieve himself of whenever he chooses to. He can jack the fuck off whenever he needs to. He can drain that sack. but. He has a really high libido, as his wife acknowledged early on before they got married when she said, go do what you need to do. But then obviously in that go do what you need to do before we get married is an implicit or explicit diktat that once we're married, that's over. Once we're married, it's me and nobody else. So what if she finds out? What if I give you permission to fuck this dude? And despite the caution and care you're going to take, she finds out you have multiple partners, caller. You're going to fuck this married man who has just one partner. I'm sure you'll be careful. I'm I'm sure you're smart enough to use condoms. And he will therefore be less likely to bring home a sexually transmitted infection and pass it on to his wife after the birth of their children. But you can't guarantee that he won't contract a sexually transmitted infection for you. No shame in sexually transmitted infections. No shame in having multiple partners, but it comes with higher risk for sexually transmitted infection. We can't be in denial about that, those of us who have more than one sexual partner. And condoms can protect you from very effectively from syphilis, gonorrhea, HIV. Not so much can you condom away the risks for herpes or HPV. Most sexually active adults already exposed to HPV. His wife most likely already exposed to HPV if he wasn't her only sexual partner. And if he had many sexual partners before her, he likely exposed her to HPV when they became intimate. But herpes, this could explode in all of your faces. And he needs to think about the worst case scenario here. He fucks you because, and you fuck him because you're less likely to, Fall in love because you're the safest person. If he's going to fuck somebody, it might as well be you. And she finds out. She finds a text. Friends, some friend, some busybody fucking bullshit friend finds out and feels honor bound to tell her her husband cheated on her. It happens all the time to people who think they're being careful and could never get caught. Or he fucks somebody else and gets caught. Ah, that person falls in love with him and blows up his life and destroys his wife. Ah, I do know what I want to tell you to do, but I don't know if I want to say it into a microphone. What I ought to tell you, what I'm supposed to tell you, what everybody out there, I'm sure, listening who's ever been pregnant, wants me to tell you is not to fuck the guy. And I'm tempted to tell you that, too. And I don't think you should succumb to hostage taking. If the guy's telling you, look, if you don't fuck me, I'm going to fuck somebody else. And the somebody else I fuck might be a much bigger risk to my marriage, to my wife's sense of security to our family that's about to have kids as a part of it. Ah, That's kind of emotionally manipulative on his part. If that is indeed an argument he has made, not one that you're just, you're making kind of taking your pussy hostage with that argument. Do you negotiate with hostage taking pussy terrorists? I don't know. But as someone recently wrote in a comment on my blog, there is a common ethical absolutism around cheating that basically no matter what the circumstances, Cheating is an unacceptable response. Pure honesty in all situations. That is just not reality. Life is hard and full of internal contradictions. People need their outlets and their secrets, and it doesn't mean that everything was a lie. I'm really on the rack. I'm really tormented by your question. And I keep going back to the wife at home, seven months pregnant. She's the one who's in real physical discomfort. She's the one with the real physical challenge. He's the one with the full balls that he can drain whenever he wants. And sex shouldn't be that important. He should just jack off. But if he has a really high libido, sex might be that important to him. And that whole sex is an important line of argument that people make when they are 100% against cheating in all circumstances, when there's never any gray allowed. Those people argue that sex is so unimportant and not really necessary to life that you shouldn't do it with someone else. But sex is so crucially important that if you do do it with someone else, that's an unforgivable betrayal and ought to, in all circumstances, be the end of the relationship. You're a terrible, terrible person for doing that unimportant thing with somebody else. I've never been that person. Have I answered your question? I think you can infer my answer into this long and rambly, discursive response. Good luck.
10: Hi, Dan. This is a call in response to episode 576
7: about the man whose boyfriend had lost his phone eight times and also is very creative. These both sound like symptoms of ADHD or ADD. In case if you haven't looked into that already, it might be worth a shot to get him tested and
10: hopefully get treatment to help you guys out in your relationships.
2: I just wanted to leave a comment about the girl calling on the weed episode, talking about you know which strains and stuff what to smoke during sex so she's not falling asleep on it. Um, I do live in a state where it is legal, so I have familiarized myself a lot with the different sativas and indicas. Definitely go with an indica. I mean, sorry, is a sativa? Um, there's a specific one out there that me and my husband have tried that is just like whoa, wow. It's called Ghost Train. Um, it is a sativa heavy, but it definitely, definitely helps in the bedroom. So keep an eye out for that if you can. Hope it helps.
9: Hey, Dan, um, I'm calling about episode 576 in response to the lady who saw the condom dispensers in the men's room on the roadside. It has nothing to do with birth control responsibility or hetero men being, uh, you know, cool and taking part in, you know, uh, their responsibilities. It has to do with the men fucking each other in those bathrooms. The reason it's not in in women's restrooms is that the people that are uh, putting them there probably reasonably assume that women aren't fucking each other in roadside bathrooms, or if they are, they don't really need quite the same accessories. Um, I suppose men don't need them either, but the people who put them there probably uh, not that jazzed about cleaning up uh, a lot of jizz off of the ceiling floor, stall walls, mirrors, you know, wherever. So they figure if they can minimize the, uh, the spray, then so much the better. It has little to nothing to do with, um, with any heterosex at all. It's roadside fucking for dudes.
1: And we're going to leave it there. 206-302-2064 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you'd like to record a question or comment for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-302-2064. We want to thank Time Magazine for naming the Savage Lovecast one of the 50 best podcasts in the world. Thank you very much, Time Magazine. And we're in such great company with shows like Invisibilia and Hardcore History. And it was such an honor and a surprise to read that. So thank you, Time Magazine. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Buck Angel on Twitter at Buck Angel. And, of course, subscribe to the Magnum Edition of the Savage Lovecast at SavageLovecast.com. The Magnum Edition is twice as long and ad-free. So if you want more Savage Lovecast with less ads, go to SavageLovecast.com and subscribe. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth and Nancy we will all be back at you next week with another installment of Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.